Take your baby to the movies. Take your baby to the flicks. That's where you can be together. That's where you can get your kicks. Sit her in a back row where the lights are low. Pick yourself a double feature. To the moving pigs go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of 2024 Gale Boys. I'm Liam. As always, I'm joined by my wonderful friend and co-host Jordan. Hello. This is um, a like end of year retrospective. We're recording this like two days before New Year's. We've got our movies in. This is like our top five of 2023's movies, which has been really fucking hard. Oh, like la- like last year, it was fairly easy. It was just like banger after banger, a few stinkers here and there, but there was some it was, there was some good shit. But this year, it was um. It's not good. It's most, bad. I do. I dare I say. Most of my list is movies Jordan has never heard of or seen. Mm. So it's going to be, yeah. I feel like I feel like last year, you know, with with COVID sort of not becoming a thing anymore, we blew our load too early. And like now, it's just like, well, we we orgasm too fast, and so now here's all the leftovers. And it's just I don't know. It's just a real disappointment this year. I had to. I really struggled, but we're going to do our best to make this as good as we can. So I hope you enjoy, but let's get to the news. Will this horrible year never end? Not much has happened, thank God, because everyone else seems to be just as tired at Christmas as we are. Uh, But one thing did happen last night that we loved. Uh, Trump is now off the main ballot. Stephen King has gotten his revenge. (laughs) Um, He can no longer see the... I think the, the quote is he doesn't see the face of his father. I don't fucking know. But yeah, that's the second state where Trump cannot uh, run for president, um, which is a big problem because Maine is a, is a battleground state. It's- Maine has to decide whether it picks Pennywise the Republican or uh, Pennywise the Democrat whenever it comes to uh, getting its fucking like, four-year representative. I know um, the Supreme Court just overturned the Colorado decision. To get ah. Trump off the ballot, which is um, appear like nonpartisan. That's probably the worst thing you can do. By every fucking like metric, Trump should not be on the ballot. Say whatever you want about Giant Six. It was a coup. It was not a coup. Like how serious people should take it. It happened. Yeah, yeah. you know, people if, fucking died, man. If if any if any other country did that, uh, the United States would invade them. They're in a. This is a rock and a hard place because, as we've said, Trump's the only one who has any juice. To be president uh, and the iowa caucus is literally in a week at the time we're yeah. recording this i think it's like the 5th of january which you better uh dot your i's and cross your t's do you really want to have trump be the face of our party again but uh yeah I, I feel like he's gonna win though i feel like he biden is so fucked now in terms of his paul you know public reception i think i think trump's gonna be president again i'm not on twitter anymore a friend of mine also sent me tweets and he pointed out um Etergementum, the fucking uh, Sylvia Berlusconi um, fucking Twitter handle guy, pointed out that Biden's actually gaining some ground in some like key states. Trump could maybe win the popular vote, but with the Electoral College. So the exact is probably opposite. the funniest outcome, yeah. That is the funniest outcome of next year. Oh, fuck, it's gonna be... I'm, I'm so excited for next year, because there's gonna be bloodshed. You know there's going to be fucking blood in the streets, regardless of who wins. We've talked about this. America has wanted a dictator for years now because, A, the, uh, you know, the, the right wing wants to just kill everyone and the left wing wants to feel vindicated. 
shutting down all their support. So yeah, at the end of the day, America wants a dictator. It doesn't matter which side you're on. It's just dictator for different reasons. Convinced that like the uh, the Epstein stuff next month is going to coincide with all the Trump shit because that's fucking that's like perfect timing right there. You know, fucking Trump's name is going to be all over that. Spoiler alert: If that list has any juice, we're doing a bonus episode because <laughs> I want to know. One hundred fifty names, man. I think we'll do an episode where we'll just read the list out loud. Just be like, well, mm. I'm surprised. Oh, did not spit this one. <laughs> so excited for that to drop. Even if it's people, yeah, so like, fucking Kevin Spacey's on there, Chris Tucker's on there, but I'm just curious to see like who we forgot during all of this. Prince Andrew has, um, I know he's like quote unquote unable to sweat, but he must be fucking, he must be like dying now. He must be like, oh shit, here we go again. I was actually thinking about that recently because of all the like Queen dying and shit. He was able to warm his way out of all the the Epstein stuff. But now it's coming back into the forefront. Epstein really is the story that will not die. Prince Andrew must be like, right. Um, yeah, perhaps the news night interview people again. I'm going to have to do this again. I've never seen an interview like that where just... It's incredible. This is one of the most amazing pieces of British television I've ever seen. You've talked about a thick skin. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you have any sense now of guilt, regret, or shame about any of your behaviour and your friendship with Epstein? Do I regret the fact that, that, that he has quite obviously conducted himself in a manner unbecoming? Yes. Unbecoming? He was a sex offender? Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm being polite, um, in the sense that he was a sex offender. The Epstein stuff is like the MCU for us. It's like we're approaching the fucking end game where all the uh, all the characters are coming back and fucking it could be Trump, Bill Clinton, fucking Spacey, Prince Andrew. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. I, and some characters with new characters we've never seen before. It's exciting. It's like <laughs> yeah. fucking we bring up it's the story that won't die. Cause it's such a how many people were involved with that? How many powerful people this guy had on his fucking in his pocket? literally in places it's a truly like and it gets your conspiracy mindset going hard it's amazing epstein for a lot of people flight log shit and epstein quote unquote uh committing suicide in jail which i'm sure came as a massive shock to him when he did that that was a lot of people's like red pill moment that was a little window a lot of people realized that like, the fucking reality that we're told constantly is not the, the actual reality that we live in no it's, it's it really was i mean even people who aren't, it, and it's one of those conspiracies, it's like JFK transcends political angles. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to be right-wing or left-wing to believe some shit went down in that cell. I mean, it's the most logical answer. Why would this guy who has dirt on everyone off himself in a fucking jail? It makes no goddamn sense. Yeah. Why would a guy who, like, was openly saying, I would never commit suicide, commit suicide? Like, well, that's, um... Yeah. Also, if you're, um, a, if you're a complete narcissist, you're not going to kill yourself. You're going to defend nah. yourself vehemently. You'd be like Alex Jones, no matter how embarrassing every day is in court, you're going to fucking be there and still think you are the victim. Like, that's how it fucking works. If you've seen those deposition tapes where, um, God, I wish I could see the whole thing because there's the very famous yeah. clip where the cop is just tired of him and says, uh, One witness described your penis as oval-shaped and claimed when erect it was thick towards the bottom but was thin and small towards the head portion and called it egg-shaped. Those are not my words, I apologize. But as Mr. As Mr. Critton has stated that this is a... I'm willing to continue. I, 
Yeah, that's not a guy who would kill himself, I think. Someone who gets mad at an off description of his own dick. And it's very funny in hindsight, because that was like the first moment for a lot of people, but it's, uh, it truly is the story that won't like, go away to a lot of uh, very powerful people's chagrin. I don't know, fucking um, Ehud Barakas uh, is on there. The fucking ex prime minister of Israel, he's been making the rounds because of all the fucking like Palestine shit. Because in the um in the nineties, it was him and fucking Bill Clinton trying to like draw plans for Palestine and shit. Fucking Barack thing was it like I went to Epstein's penthouse uh like more than five and less than a hundred times, which is like why would you say that? Why would you say <laughs> why would you say that? that? Jesus. <laughs> Uh, was, was I wonder if Berlusconi's on one of those lists. Yeah, he has. He yeah, has he's, to be. he's very no much way. involved in that. Yeah. There's, there's the photos of his fucking villa with just like ten naked women walking around. Yeah. There's no way in hell this guy's not on that fucking list. I love how after he died, everyone just forgot about all that shit. Like, yeah. remember this complete poon hound ran the country and like tried to pass laws where he would be immune from prosecution. The OG Trump. But no, Berlusconi uh, was at least a fun up. corrupt. Berlusconi was at least like his fuckery was so ridiculous you almost it was almost charming how corrupt he yeah, was yeah he had swag he, he had swag like, yeah if, if you're an italian politician you literally can't just like get away with anything if you have you know, like some veneer of swag to him whereas um american politicians like trump really is the outlier quote-unquote respectability they, politics they, and stuff they tried to impeach clinton yeah. for a blow job and fucking trump's on tape mm-hmm. grab him by the pussy and they're like well he's still our guy so Speaking of um, guys who should be in jail, uh, Kevin Spacey watched our uh, our oh, podcast we did about him yes. and decided to. Uh... <laughs> oh my god! You sent me this, and my like yeah. stars popped in my eyes. I was like, oh my god! He was pissed. We we took his thunder, so he's like, fuck that! I'm going back. Mm-hmm. You got to go away to come back. And uh, for those who. We're lucky enough to see this. I'm still subscribed to his YouTube channel, so seeing this was like, oh yeah, oh boy. Um, he did an interview with Tucker Carlson, uh, which you know is hilarious considering Tucker calls trans people groomers, and here he is with an actual fucking child molester having a cozy fireside chat. It's I love that right wing populism where you say that like, yeah, the, the like gay Democrat teachers are are fucking kids, and here's my interview with Kevin Spacey doing a. Doing his fog on leg or an accent. Shit, that was the thing uh, that got me. He's still doing the Frank Underwood. Yeah, yeah, yep, still doing is, it. You have to see it if you haven't seen it. Because- I mean, I've almost felt like I can talk to them directly. Well, I mean, you do talk to them every Christmas. You give a statement. It is Christmas Eve. What is your statement specifically this year? You know, Tucker, I think it's just good enough to sip some eggnog and decorate the tree and listen to White Christmas and embrace all the things that make this such a special day. The truth is, I love nothing better on this day than to do a line of blow, drink a whiskey and coke, hit a reindeer with my car, and wish you all the naughtiest Christmas ever. I'm blown away that he's, like, thinking that after he got found not guilty, he could just come back. We talked about this in the episode, like, I'm not guilty, I can come back. No, you can't. You found not guilty in court. It's like, yeah, so does o- so did OJ and Casey Anthony, but we're pretty sure they fucking did it. So. It's very funny that uh, Jonathan Majors goes down for uh, at least a year in prison. Over uh, slapping his girlfriend around, but Kevin Spacey, the uh, the arch pedophile, the guy that's been like fucking around with minors since the eighties, is uh, yep, you go scot free. I, I, I think it's easy to say number one, no, one's white, one's black. That's the same yeah. American justice system. Yeah, Jonathan Majors being found guilty. I love how they waited literally down to the wire to fire his ass. Yeah. They were like a, an NFL coach. Well, if he's not in prison, he could play. 
But I guess he, he's not going to make spring training, so fuck. I think they were worried they were going to have like a James Gunn situation again where mm. they quickly fired him and then all that backlash happened. I think they were worried he would be found not guilty or some shit would come out in court. But nope, I don't think he'll go to jail. I think he'll get like a... It's a first offense, so I feel like he'll get like house arrest. Yeah. Right? I look forward to seeing where he goes from here because, I mean, I don't think his career is over. Mel Gibson still has a fucking career and that man did way worse shit than he did. It's going to be interesting to see like his uh, his post MCU status because um, the funny thing about his contract is he had a stipulation and it seemed like no other actor could play that character, and yeah. it's like <laughs> isn't the whole point of this guy that there's like a million different versions of it? Why would you do that? Well, Why would you? Uh... Well, Doctor Doom, Mad Mickelson, step up and be into Doctor Doom because we gotta get this shit. Yeah, just... no, he was fucking. Um... It was offered, like, all the way back, like, that fucking, like, first attempt at Fantastic Four. And he's there, man, just just fucking go for it. I know he was in Doctor Strange, but you can just pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. At this point, there's, like, what, 30 MCU movies? You forget. Yeah, uh-huh. There's more MCU movies than Bond movies, and Bond was going since the 60s, mm. for fuck's sake. Going to the movies used to be an experience. It used to be a family affair. It used to be an event. Whereas now, you know, if... People will go see movies just because they said it's going to be number one. And everybody know the movie's bad. You know, you'll read a review on Rotten Tomatoes and be like, oh, they gave it, you know, 75% tomatoes. It's fresh. I should go see it. When they haven't even seen the movie. The evolution of the superhero has meant the death of the movie star. And that's the fear now. Because you're now making movies for... 16-year-olds, and China. <laughs> and that's it. Speaking of um, movies and movie magic and terrible oh, people boy. making terrible decisions, uh, this is our 2023 wrap-up, top five of the year. And as we stated at the beginning of this episode, this was not easy to put together. This was... I had I I had to sit down with, like, a whiteboard, like Charlie and always say, like, <laughs> how the fuck do I... Because I remembered shit I had seen a while ago... And I was just like, I-, I give up. Fuck this. Yeah, this is one of the, like two reasons why I still have better boxes. It's um, it's a good catalog of like, absolute like shit I've seen this year. The stuff that's been good this year has been really good, and the stuff that's been bad has been outright unwatchable. Like we could do a top five worst movies, and it would be like oh, vastly be- more fucking yeah. The problem oh, is man. that we reviewed like two of them already for the show. Yeah, yeah. So- the, either the the Flash and Ant Man three is like hands down two worst movies. It's hard to like pick which one is worse. They're, like bad for different reasons, but yeah, it's it's been bad, man. My worst would be uh probably Sound of Freedom. Just by it's, mm. it's a better made movie than the Flashes, but we did a whole episode, and the more I think about it, the more icky it feels. Um, yeah, I, I I genuinely forgot about that movie. I, I forgot we actually did an episode about that. That's such a fucking boring ass movie. Goddamn! I, I didn't see Ant Man three because I just mm. the, the the balls to drop that movie right after Avatar two. The balls that Disney had to do that. That's amazing. By far one of the worst looking movies I've ever seen. It's genuinely baffling how Kevin Feige thought that like he could get away with putting that out in the fucking cinema rare uh, well, rare box office L from him. Well he's paying for it now because uh mm. yeah. I've only got one movie in the pipe next year, and that's Deadpool three. So 
Yeah, we'll see how that goes. But that, this has been a rough year for not everyone in Hollywood because uh, this was the year comic book movies died, kind of freedom became a runaway hit with very dubious circumstances behind it. Um, and just a just a strange year. Also, like I think a watershed moment for Hollywood. It's going to be either they'll learn from this and move on, or we're going to make the same mistake again and again. If Hollywood doesn't unfuck itself next year, then it's it's over. Like you're hearing rumors about uh, like Warner Brothers having murders of Paramount and stuff. Fuck. Like these two titans of the industry are forced to maybe like have a merger next week. It all depends on Aquaman two is probably going to bomb. That's like, as much as I like that first movie, that's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not touching that for fucking it, barge it, it's either It's either they lose money or David Zaslav needs a new summer home. So fuck it. Let's yeah. uh, sell this shit for parts. But um, start with uh, top five here. We'll start. Uh, you, you can go first. My number five is uh, The Pope's Exorcist. Fantastic. Starring, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> starring uh, Sentient Ham and Russell Crowe. I actually debated putting that on my list as well because I actually this ended up being one of the bigger surprises of the year for me. Um, oh, that's great! Because it's it, it, here's the thing: it's like hard films are in a weird position now because some of them are like very po-faced and some are trying very mm. hard to be about something. And here is this completely unpretentious movie where Russell Crowe, with a shitty Italian accent, goes and fights demons in a mansion. It's just so refreshing of horror becoming like just completely. It's like if the car films are trying so hard to be taken seriously, and this movie does not have that problem at all. This feels like um straight to video fucking horror from the nineties, and we are um we are supposed to be getting a sequel to this. <laughs> so I like to imagine this is going to be the next Hellraiser. Like we're just going to get ten fucking posts. I wouldn't this, mind another one. I would watch. Yeah. Oh, I, hell yeah. I would watch a sequel yeah. to this. I would just watch a whole movie of Russell Crowe like fucking around in Italy in that fucking Vespa getting coffee yeah, yeah. talking about how yoga's evil and shit uh but one thing i want to say the reason i think this film works is uh, the director julius avery he is a um he's an australian director and he's a pretty fucking he's becoming a pretty good genre guy he did overlord the mm. wolfenstein movie the unofficial wolfenstein movie which is yeah like, closest to a wolfenstein movie wolf or it's also the best film jj abrams ever put his name on yeah. which is you know, <laughs> yeah, well. oh, it's, and then he did he did samaritan the movie worth a 75 year old stallone beating people to death with a sledgehammer so nice he, he knows what the people want and he's definitely i think making a name for himself like he took this ridiculous fucking movie and made a watchable film he's like a good journeyman director you know he'll never He'll he'll never make a, a stone cold classic, but everything he makes, you're like I like that movie. It really is like weird the lack of genre shit recently. Now that I think about it, like most of my top five this year are genre films, the quote unquote elevated shit that you're supposed to take seriously. It fucking flew by my head, I man. Mean, it's out of dog shit. I just, I just, I know Yorgos has a new film, and I'm just not interested in it. Yeah, that doesn't come out till next month here. Um, it looks fun. I it guess. looks fun. But, I just, yeah. I just, I'm not rushing out yeah. to see it because no. um, I, I, I love the favorite though. I think oh, yeah. I like that movie because on the surface it is like an elevated prestige film, but when you actually, watch it's also it, complete shock as well. Yeah, yeah, they said make an Oscar film, and he's like, okay, and made like <laughs> a film that looks like an Oscar film, but when you watch it, it's a fucking surrealist yeah. nightmare. It's. I watched the fucking uh, clip where uh, Olivia Coleman's shouting to some like page boy. You looked at me for yeah, look at me. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Man. I love the way where she yells at the fucking band. Be gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. But yeah, the Pope's Exorcist, absolute. Uh, it's probably the schlockiest film on this list, but it's the most honest and pure. Of yeah. like, again, there's no pretension to it. 
And it's it's just a fun movie. It's just fun and enjoyably stupid. But uh, number five for me is going to be The Covenant, Guy Ritchie's war film. Nice. Uh, which is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Guy Ritchie is, has had a weird resurgence the last couple of years. I think he finally paid off Madonna in that divorce because mm. he's been putting out... Aside from Operation Fortune, he's been putting out real fucking bangers. He made uh, The Gentleman, which was like a throwback to like Snatch and Lockstock. And then he did my Wrath of Man, which is maybe the best movie Jason Statham's ever starred in. Wrath of, have you seen Wrath of Man? It's interesting because it's this weird genre film that like takes itself seriously, but to a point. And I think that's why most Guy Ritchie films work. They're like, they're comedies, but they also like take themselves seriously enough. Like fucking Lockstock. Yeah. Like Lockstock takes itself seriously to a point, you know? Yeah, it's, Same it's as, uh, on the yeah, one hand, it's point. like a serious crime drama about gangsters, but also- It's also scene, very funny. The scene yeah. where Jason Statham gets the fucking drink. I asked you to give me a refreshing drink. Wasn't expecting a fucking rainforest. You could fall in love with an orangutan in there. Covenant's interesting because it's, on paper, it is nothing like he has made before. There's no real, like, Ritchie-isms to it. If you see a Guy Ritchie film, you know, he's got these things that he likes. And uh, none of that's here. This is a very straight-laced, very straightforward. I don't know, it feels like a movie like Gene Hackman would have started in, like, 1987. Because uh, it's it's about uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, he's in Iraq. And he, him and his interpreter are on the run. The interpreter gets him out and then Jake Gyllenhaal goes back to protect him. It's a very, it's a very straightforward action movie premise. It's like no man left behind kind of shit, but it's, it's not as jingoistic as I thought it was going to be. Cause I went in like, Oh God, my guy, Richie's doing a fucking Michael Bay movie. But what, what he does is it's all about how America treated all those interpreters like dog shit and just left them all to die after they left Iraq with their tail between their legs. It's interesting seeing like him doing a an actual serious movie for a change, and we've been getting this um this weird resurgence of uh of fucking Iraq war movies recently. So um, I haven't seen it yet, but it's uh, it's, it's on worth my a list. watch because it's it's much smarter than you think it'd be. Jake Gyllenhaal is great in it too, because Jake Jake Gyllenhaal is like I love him because you know on the one he seems like the kind of guy who could coast through his career, but he always loves playing complete fucking weirdos. Look at his fucking career. Like, he played, he was in Okja, he was in Nightcrawler. He doesn't do, like, the normal easy stuff. And I think that's why I think he's interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know um, he was supposed to be doing, like, a brace building uh, biopic movie a few years ago. Because, mm. um, yeah, he was, uh, yeah, braced on a tune on fame. Like, his story's interesting. He's, like, um, like, American who goes off to fight for the cards and Hollywood's, um, it's very interesting stories like that. I do want to live in the alternate universe where uh, John Hall plays fucking Pet's Pet Grandpa. That would be fucking... That would be, uh, uh, that, be that didn't happen because I'm looking here. It's not yeah. a production. That would have been awesome. Yeah. He's in a remake yeah. of Roadhouse this year, which, uh, which I'm a little... Mm. You can't remake Roadhouse. I'm sorry. Nah. Patrick Swayze doing Tai Chi on the beach shirtless is like one of the most iconic things in cinema. Yeah. Speaking of uh, beaches, my uh, number four film this year is uh, Infinity Pool by, uh, yeah. by Brandon Cronenberg. It's interesting that uh, Cronenberg Jr. made the uh, the better body harder than his dad this year. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Like, <laughs> Infinity Pool is awesome there's been a lot of movies recently about how the rich are all fucked up and scary mm. we talked about secession because it's a movie yeah with like, all these, like up. gorgeous locales but everything around it is just corrupt and fucked up <laughs> i said in my uh letterbox if you this is like the good version of grass onion this That's is like exactly this is. yeah 
recognizes that like rich people are evil for the correct reasons it's, where it's the somehow, it's somehow even it's that. somehow more subtle than glass onion which is sad oh yeah a movie is... where fucking all of this shit happens somehow has more to say than anything ryan johnson can write it's... evil people in his movies are just yeah with uh, elon musk with edward norton wouldn't that be funny yeah. but the way cronenberg does like evil rich people in this they're just scumbags they're, they're just scumbags i'm so. like oh yeah the, yeah like, that's that's what's so funny about um uh what's the fuck uh peril in this movie oh, she starts off as this like manic pixie uh bitch and then like over time she just becomes probably one of the most evil fucking people i've seen in any movie like this year she's becoming like a scream queen this woman her name's mm, yeah. have you heard her actual voice yeah, she she sounds like fucking um fresh and Eugene Governor, but from The Simpsons. <laughs> like she sounds like a haunted Edwardian doll, and she's doing like every movie she's in, she's doing an American accent, she's except from Infinity Pool, yeah, which is interesting. She's perfect for Cronenberg's like weird aesthetic choice. Like, and Alexander Skarsgård's good in this. Oh, yeah, he's great. And it's so funny watching this right after Secession, where if you know he's in mm. Secession, and I'm like, I like to believe this is the same character right after the end of Secession. <laughs> He goes from being a writer to a tech role. We will be doing a secession episode at some point because oh. uh, I just finished rewatching that. And man, that is really? that is like the like last prestige TV show. Yeah, it's it's over at this point. Oh god, yeah. but um, god damn it. But yeah, my favorite scene in the movie though is the scene where the horrific like multi people execution scene where they oh, sit yeah, there, yeah. and then it just I'm like, holy shit! They just killed the entire cast of the movie. Then it pans over to them all clapping, watching this. Horrific act of violence. It's... Yeah. It reminded me a lot of uh, Brian Usness Society, the way that um, rich people are just depicted as grotesque monsters. That's a and very, it's, um, very good comparison. Yeah. Brian Usness was like one of the like the weird offshoots of like Cronenberg as well, Society, mm -hmm. the reanimator sequels and shit like that. Like, it'd be interesting to see what Cronenberg uh, Jr. Uh, does soon, because uh, yeah, I feel like I, I didn't hate uh, Crimes of the Future, but it felt like Brandon's just brought so much new exciting shit to what his dad did. I love you, David, but I think your son is uh, going to be taken over from here. I did mind Chimes the Future, but yeah, Infinity Pool is um, way better. Yeah, fucking rich and bounce better. So yeah, yeah. what's, your, uh, what's now, your fourth? My number four is another horror film, Talk to Me. The Gen Z answer to Hellraiser would be the best way to describe <laughs> this. And it's not as, <laughs> not as cringeworthy as it sounds. This is like a good Gen Z horror film because... Uh, the directors of this, uh, they are YouTubers, and as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, this movie's gonna be awful, because mm -hmm. if you know anything about YouTubers trying to get into traditional media, it usually doesn't go well. Yeah, it usually winds up with them in jail, because a bunch of uh, shit comes out, but yeah, I was, um, I still haven't seen this yet, but I've been curious about it, because it's, um, it's like the good A24 movie yeah, of this year. It's A24 is like the hipster version of the MCU. Because, mm. like, people are like, A24. They're a distributor. They don't make these movies. Like no. That's like saying, what's your favorite Warner Brothers movie? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? But this is a great one because this is not... Like, this isn't elevated hard in the traditional sense. This is a straight-up, in-your-face, blood-and-gore, screaming-at-the-mouth harp. The opening, like, five minutes of this movie is, like, a one-take. It's a house party, and there's people doing drugs, naked people, and then there's a guy in the back room with dubstep saying the devil's real. And it's like the most sensory overload five minutes. I'm like, this is going to be a wild fucking ride. And it, it, it's the Hellraiser comparison, because if you've seen the trailer, there's that hand. It's like this yeah. hand that's like 
it goes from country to country, passing from person to person. And if you hold it, you can uh, see ghosts and shit. And in classic Gen Z fashion, the kids decide to take videos of this and do like the, the talk to me challenge. And on the one hand, you think, yeah, it sounds cringeworthy as fuck, but these guys, they seem to hate their audience. Uh, these YouTuber guys, because <laughs> when when shit goes bad and then the demons drop, they murder the fuck out of these kids. Like, there's a scene where one of them gets possessed and he's ripping his eye out with his bare hands, and it's it's an it's an insanely violent movie, and it goes to places you don't expect a movie like this to go to. Just in terms of like raw for a movie aimed at a younger audience to have this much violent shit, and it's like whoa. Horror movies have been like fairly tame this year. I saw the Boogeyman with my uncle. Jesus. It's like lame Stephen King adaption. And it's, this is such a like nothing movie. And like when people die, it's like off screen and stuff. It's, like, just, just give me some gore, man. Yeah, give me some gore. Like, you get gore. There's, a, there's a scene out of like a Brandon Cronenberg playbook where they, it's like nice. this kid being riled on by fat, <laughs> naked old people. And you're like, oh man. Oh, yeah. it's, it's a very like tradition. When you think A24 horror, you think yeah. The Witch. This is not that. This is brutal blood and gore in your face shit and i think i could see why it was a hit with the young people because it is like the young people like i'm fucking 70 years old <laughs> but, uh, but <laughs> yeah you're uh your fucking grandpa at the lemon tree telling the story of uh of how it got there <laughs> <laughs> well it's so funny when i saw this movie i was like the oldest person in that theater I'm yeah, yeah i can it imagine was, like, all tweens and shit and it was hilarious yeah. watching them freak the fuck out watching this movie because yeah. i was into it and some of them were like fucking screaming it was a fun experience but yeah and it, it's dark as fuck it it hates its audience it's just a very it's the kind of nasty horror film you wish like more horror movies would be if these guys definitely have some chops this is a for a first time director these guys are fucking they're proving themselves, and apparently they're working on another movie right now, and I'm actually very curious. This is definitely, for me, the horror movie of the year, because it's 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 not an original concept, but it's handled in a way that's interesting, and it's so much better than, like, you hear that premise, but it, the movie's so much more interesting than that, and I think one of the actors is trans as well, and they don't even acknowledge that, which is pretty good for a movie like this as well. Like, it, it doesn't go out of its way to say this person's trans. It's just like, hey, here's a regular person. Yeah, it's like the uh, the previous Hellraiser movie where, yeah, we've got a, a trans character and we just won't reference that she's just there. So uh, my number three is um, it's kind of hard because um, I'm doing the same as last time. I'm doing a, a like double bill. It's uh, The Killer and um, Spider-Man 2. Um, what the fuck is it called? Oh, uh, Across the Spider-Verse? Yeah, Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, I had to like struggle between like why prefer more and i think i like them both equally for varying different reasons and we talked about the killer so um yeah it's good go see it spider versus um it has like story problems but in terms of like raw visuals it's probably the most visually interesting movie i've seen this year i, I don't know if you've seen it or not but like the, the fucking animation in this is it's stunning man it's oh i know some of the best animation i've seen in years I, I know it's stunning and i know that because the article that came out about how, <laughs> how rough the production of this was mm -hmm, yeah but it's it's one of those it's a movie that i kept seeing trails where i never really went to go see it because i'm so just burnt out on cape shit but everyone brings this movie up and it definitely looks like the kind of movie i would green out to just put that shit on the background, watch it, watch it fucking move. and just, It does have the, the Dune ending, I've noticed, where the shit just ends midway through. Matt Crespin brought this up, how, like, every major blockbuster film has to have, like, an epic cliffhanger, because studios need to fucking uh, milk that success, like, Dune 2 is fucking March next year. Cliffhanger isn't as egregious 
as in Dune, um, it just makes you like it makes you want more of it. And I've seen images of the next film, like fucking Spider Man supposed to be fighting a giant kaiju monster and shit. So that'll be fun. But yeah, that's um, in terms of like visually, it's great. Um, story wise, the Miles Morales character is interesting because uh, Spider Man Two, the game, uh, just came out. And uh, there's been a lot of like noticeable chud backlash of Miles trying to replace like Peter Parker as Spider-Man and stuff. And the way that character is handled, he's by far like the most interesting capture protagonist we've had in a long fucking time. Isn't um the villain uh, Spider-Man 2099? Is that it, right? Yeah, um, there's two bad guys in this. There's uh, Jason Schwartzman, the spot, who's like a comedy bad guy until like halfway through when he becomes like an actual serious threat. And then the other bad guy is uh, future Spider-Man, voiced uh, very well by Oscar. The fucking voice cast is great in this fucking. Oh yeah, no, I'm um, John it right Boyega, now. fucking Oscar Isaac, a whole bunch of people, and it's um, yeah, Oscar Isaac plays like evil Spider-Man, but he hasn't some like mustache twirling problem. He has like an actual like reason to do what he does. It has like story problems. Goes by a little too fast for me, which is funny because it's like there's a two-parter. Another like takes the time to like, slow things down and like examine what exactly is going on because it's like moving at a fucking train's pace but um oh yeah it's great it's I, uh one of the things i do i do enjoy from the i haven't seen the film but i love like this was a bunch of chuds were complaining like, <laughs> yeah spider-man the actual like peter parker spider-man is like a loser dad because you know he's like 50 fucking years old at this point like i can't do this shit i gotta be an adult guys if you've ever read like any Spider-Man comic from the last 20 years that is just Peter Parker. He is, he is some, like, family man schlub. Spider-Girl, wasn't that, like, uh, there was a story, like, he had a daughter and she took over? I think that's it, I don't know. There's so many comic book fucking stories. And... Yeah, the, the Spider-Man is one of those characters that's been around for, like, a million years. So there's, like, so many widely different stories and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's very funny how the critical retard, as I like to call him, because his, his stuff is, like, genuinely harebrained. That, that's what's so funny about the Spider-Man video he did. Like, even his audience was like, yeah, uh, rare L from you, buddy. My favorite yeah. video he ever did. He did an interview with, like, a guy who liked him. And he asked him, can you name me, like, a Japanese film you've seen recently? <laughs> I think you've seen this. There's a reason people like in the West are starting to draw more and more towards, um, you know, Korean or, or Japanese filmmaking. It's precisely because it's a bit different from what we get. Mm. And uh, that's a good what, thing. Yeah. What is the most recent Japanese film or at least, um, entertainment that you enjoyed so far? Uh, what am I thinking of? Um, see a lot of them would be older ones like old boy, for example. Oh, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that one. I know it's not Japanese, but, um, yeah, probably stuff like that. Um, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I really like that. And it's like Chinese, I think. Um, but yeah, like it's... Um, not, not even close. Japanese, right? Not even, couldn't even do like Miyazaki, easy shit. Seven Samurai would have been fucking... Didn't even, couldn't even do that. I uh, also love, uh, just because I love shit talking this guy, he did his video on everything, everywhere, all at once, gave it a recommendation, and people thought he went woke. I'm like, Hell yeah. yeah, lie with dogs, you get fleas, asshole. This is what happens. Yeah, you, you can't enjoy yeah, you, the sad Asian grandma movie. When, when you cultivate a certain audience, you you better know them, man. You better fucking know what like plays well and what doesn't. Because um, the recent Spider-Man backlash for like the movie and the video game, because they're like, 
they're wildly fucking popular. Spider-Man 2, the video game, sold like a bajillion copies, like opening weekend. And you still have conservative YouTube chods pissing in the wind, trying to rule against it. It's the fucking GTA 6 thing of like fucking Tim Pool trying to like... That's another thing about not knowing your audience. You know they play video games. That's all they have, right? <laughs> like, you... When Trump said he was going to take away video games, they turned on Trump. You don't touch that. Yeah. Shit. It's, it's going to be Grand Theft Auto. You're going to play it because Grand Theft Auto is just like, I, I thought that would be the thing that brings us together, but unfortunately not. We're still that. No, that's, that's one of the, uh, that's one of the consequences of post gamer gate people and by being games and comic books as politics. GTA 6 is woke or something. Oh, and it's yeah. like, what? <laughs> Fuck, I love when Elon Musk did the I won't shoot cops. Uh -huh, yeah. fucking, are you kidding? <laughs> That's so funny to me that like that Ian Miles Chong guy who made his bread off Gamergate is like trying yeah. to rebrand himself. They're all just turning into Jack Thompson, the guy who tried yeah, to get GTA banned. Yeah, they, they, they are the fucking like Indian Sarkeesians now. They are like the peril crushing fucking uh, SJWs that rave against like identity politics and video games. I, I love to do a Gamergate retrospective. Oh, it's boy. Fucking crazy that shit got. Not even just the Law and Order episode, just <laughs> the death threats, the fucking... That shit drove people to madness. I didn't give a shit. I was playing Wolfenstein at the time. I'm like, the New Order just came out. I'm like, I'm having fun. Yeah, that's my number three this year. I'll definitely give it a shot because I did like um, Into the Spider-Verse, which was the one, the first one. I actually enjoyed it because mm. animated movies are weird. In America, like animated movies are like just purely aimed at children. There, there are very few like in America. This is not a problem on other places, particularly in Japan or in Europe. But in America, it's very hard to get an animated movie for like, not just children made. So it's nice that this movie is actually successful. Yeah, it's fucking. It's either like some Disney shock or Pixar shock. It's nice to see somebody actually taking fucking animation as an art from seriously. Although uh, Rod and Miller can go fuck themselves. Yeah, no, uh, Miller seems fine. Phil seems like the asshole. Yeah, like, Miller mm -hmm. wasn't even there for most of production. This article is hilarious. If you, I saw Cocaine Bear, so I can imagine they're. I'm gonna, assume, I'm gonna give the animators the props for this, not them. Yeah, yeah. If you're like, on the one hand, it's like we're seen as like the saviors of animation. Also, I produced Cocaine Bear. You're welcome. Yeah. Jeez. Speaking of a uh, dog shot, I watched a uh, Cocaine Bear and Sixty Five back to back in one day, and I it was did that probably too. yeah. Oh, yeah. what an awful dub. Sixty Five should not have been as dog shit as it was. That had potential, man. Sam Raimi produced the uh, Adam Driver dinosaur movie. That should have been way fucking better. But mm, yeah. I think it's just, you could tell it was edited to shit as well. Like it was delayed oh, yeah. an entire year due to post production problems. And you could tell enough of bad movies. Um. So yeah, number three, The Killer and uh, Across the Spider Verse. So number three for me, I just saw it yesterday, so it's fresh in my mind. The Iron Claw, which. This is a sports film. We were t I was talking to you about this. This is a movie I'm actually fascinated by because uh, this is the... Now, if you're not a wrestling fan, um, this is the story of the Von Erichs. They were, um, uh, they were a wrestling family from Texas in the 80s. And the story is interesting because all but one of them is dead. They all either died from drug overdoses in hotel rooms or killed themselves. And this is like one of the most like aggressively depressing movies I've seen this year. There's a moment where it turns... And it just one tragedy after another. One guy dies. One guy goes into toxic shock and into a coma. Multiple suicide letters. Cast is uh, uh, Zach Efron's playing uh, Kevin, who's the surviving brother, who like lives alone in Hawaii 
on a rant. And he's actually very good in this. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of him, but he is like, he looks like He-Man. Efron has always been like kind of buff, even during the like teeny bopper high school musical days. But in this, he looks like, yeah, he looks like He-Man. He yeah. looks like a fucking action figure. I remember when I saw photos of this and people were making fun of it and it looked ridiculous because he had like the fucking ball hair. And I'm just like, I'm knowing the story, y'all are not ready for how fucking sad this is. Because there were multiple people in my theater crying at the end of this movie. Because there's a scene where, um, yeah, he realizes all his family's dead and he's having this heartfelt moment with his sons. It's just, it's an aggressively depressing movie. The real standout for me is uh, Jeremy Allen White, who plays Carrie, who he was the only one to actually go to the WWF and like lost his leg in a motorcycle accident and wrestled for 10 years without a fucking leg. He would go in already rearing his boots. And would get in a uniform because he literally had he had to amputate his foot because of a motorcycle accident. And he wrestled for multiple years without a foot. But uh, Jeremy Allen White's like becoming like a real up and comer because we, we've all seen the bear. And uh, this one, he's balked up in this too. And this character is so fucking sad because like the first time we're introduced to him, he's going to go do disc throwing in the Olympics. But this is 1980 and Carter boycotts the Moscow Olympics. So... He's effectively fucked. He's like, I traded my whole life for this. I can't even go. Shit. And then he has to go join wrestling with his brothers. And his character is like the most sad of all of them. Because he's like the one who's like trying so hard to make dad happy. And dad's such an asshole in this movie. Holt McNall. Uh, uh, Holt it's one of those like weird fucking Irish names. Uh, Holt McCallany is like the evil like Nazi dad or something. So, so and the- it's interesting because um, he was like a Nazi and uh, short collar. The weird uh, prison movie, like what? Yeah, your prison movie from a few years ago. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. that's a fun, uh, fun through Yeah, it won't be on the UK I think until February, primarily because A twenty four has no idea how to actually fucking like do international distribution. It's all domestic for them. A twenty four is interesting because they're starting to pivot away from like quote unquote elevated horror to biopics, and we've got that Alex Garland. Civil War action movie next year, so it's going to be like yeah, they, they, interesting been, seeing them trying to pivot into the mainstream. Yeah, that could go well, or could go like when Canon Films tried to go mainstream, and they made like mm-hmm. over the top and Superman Four and like bankrupted oh, the boy. company. So <laughs> it could go that way. We'll see. Um, also, is- uh, He Man as well. Going back to He Man, the film that pretty much killed it as a company. Yeah, that's just how appropriate. We start with He Man, we end with He Man. <laughs> But yeah, no, The Iron Claw. It's a wrestling film in the same way Raging Bull's a boxing movie. Like, there is, it is about wrestling, and Raging Bull's about boxing, but all the interesting shit happens outside the sporting stuff. It's about uh, wrestling the same way Fox Catchers about wrestling. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, boy. So anyway, oh, fuck, that's a, what a fucking, what a wild story that is, too. Uh yeah, the, the, I don't know what it is about wrestling, but it seems to attract some of the most insane people. Oh, that, John Dupont. I love how that, that all, the only reason he could do that is because he had all that Dupont money. They didn't even bring up the shit, sidetrack, they didn't even bring up the craziest shit he did uh, when he was running that mansion. He fired all his black employees and killed all the black horses because he thought black was deadly. He thought ghosts were haunting the walls and he filled his house with razor wire and shit. Yeah, the razor wire, well known, uh, well known to stop ghosts there. Very good, John. Yeah, yeah so my uh, number two is uh, Oppenheimer, Christopher uh, yeah. Nolan's Bomberman movie. Uh, we've already talked about that, so I won't... Um, I won't spend too much time on it. It's great. It's in terms of like raw visuals, it's fucking stunning, man. Like I oh, yeah. went to go see this in IMAX on your recommendation, and that that thirty seconds of silence 
when the bomb is going off, it's like, oh man, this is yeah. this is moving right fucking here. I think I think the reason it works is that I, I love that this movie was the hit. It was three hour political drama about communism. Mm. It fucking made more money than Marvel did this year. It's it's fucking <laughs> awesome. Between COVID and social political upheaval, audience tastes have so fundamentally changed within the span of a year. It seems. Oh yeah, because... we've gone from like, cape shit to like actual serious movies. Like Barbie also made like a gajillion dollars. It's the, the highest grossing office. film of the year. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, that was going to yeah, make but... money regardless, and so did the Barbie. Movie. But this is like the strange outlier of the bunch because. The rest of it's pretty standard blockbuster mainstream affair. And this movie that should never have been a mainstream hit became a mainstream hit. And I love it. You talk, Nolan just seems to have really opened himself up now that he's not at Warner Brothers anymore. And and I feel like after this is a hit, he's going to be able to take a lot more bigger swings. I'm very, I hope he keeps the political angle up in his movies. Because he's, he's pretty open about how he feels in this movie about... A lot of shit. I'm still mixed on him, like, doing a Bond film, but that would be, like, interesting to see just what he actually does with it, because he's referenced Bond a bunch of fucking times, yeah. and, he's, yeah, he, I know um, he's talked about how much he loves On His Majesty's Secrets. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay tuned for that next year. Yeah, but, but, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, also, that's my yeah. tour, so number that's yours. Two. All right, number two for me, uh, this is uh, more pretty much all genre shit this year for me outside of the Iron Claw. <laughs> this is... Number two is a movie that I do nothing about this going into it, and it, it, it dared me to. It's a film from Finland. Uh, it had a premiere at TIFF. It was like a Midnight Madness movie, and it kind of came and went. And it got like a limited run here, and I went to go see it. And it is... Okay, th this movie's insane. Uh, imagine if Tex Avery made Inglorious Bastards. Gold, uh, prospector in Finland during 1944. He finds literal pounds of gold. And he's like, I'm rich as fuck now. And he's just trying to go home with his money. And all these Nazis won't let him go home. He has the worst fucking day of his life. Pretty much. Because he's like trying to go home and just... He encounters these Nazis to try to rob him. And then they're shooting at him. He's he's having to hide under water. He sets himself on fire. <laughs> he gets hanged at one point. It has one of the most badass things I've seen in a movie this year. Where he's hiding in the water. And the Nazi, the Nazi goes in the water looking for him. And then the guy slits his throat. Our hero slits this Nazi's throat and breathes through the hole in his neck. This movie doesn't give a shit about realism at all. Like, literally hanging from a plane during the climax. It's it's just pure, unabashed, like, genre shit. And it, it, it's, for me, it, the best movies I've seen this year are the ones that aren't completely self-serious about themselves. It just, it's just so refreshing to me. Fucking like sincere shit this year has been like really fucking bad, and it's nice seeing like, just a genre action movie. I have seen Sisu and it's World War Two John Wick. He's like some well known fucking like infamous soldier and shit, and like nobody can stop him. And fucking he's just beheading people without any fucking, <laughs> without any fucking. You know. I love movies where just characters have like the worst twenty four hour period of their entire lives. And, uh, th yeah, this is a pretty bad day. He gets hanged. He almost dies multiple times. It's just, it's, it's, it's the kind of fun that I just, I wish more movies would just indulge in this level of stupidity, but do it in a way that's not like coy or self-aware. Like it is like a Looney Tunes cartoon come to life. And it, it just, I loved it. I love this fucking movie. <laughs> I would say uh, John Wick 4 is like an honourable mention for me. That came very close to being in my uh, in my five, but Pope's Exorcist was like, even though John Wick 4 is way better, it's like, I've seen this already. Yeah. Whereas the Pope's Exorcist is like a nice little niche genre of yeah. like, horror that I haven't seen for a long time. Yeah. So, But going from that to a, 
one of the like only good sincere movie I've seen this year. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my number one and, and uh, both are number, number one. Yeah, it's our number one yeah. together. For both of us, it's a Godzilla minus one. This um like fifteen million dollar fucking Japanese uh, Godzilla oh, movie, which this, came out like a week ago. This movie rocks. In a way that I did not expect it to. Most people have actually gone out. I know have seen this because the word of mouth of this thing has been so positive. Godzilla has always been such an insane franchise because you look at the original film and like it's a deeply serious disaster film. Because Criterion put out the Shoho era films and they're all like kids movies and shit. Like the famous shot yeah. of um, of Godzilla with Jet Jaguar sliding on his fucking tail. Like that's the that just sums up the, those movies perfectly. Like, it was during lockdown. I had a bunch of like work money saved up, so I stumped for the Criterion uh, like fifteen disc uh, Godzilla set. And um, yeah, half of those movies are just kids' movies. My favorite one is still uh, Godzilla doing the, the handshake with Jet Jaguar at the end of that, that movie. That, that, that's, that's one of my favorite gifs of all time. That, that particular movie is insane because uh, the reason Jet Jaguar exists, they had a contest in Japan elementary schools. <laughs> I'm not even kidding, that's what happens. Yeah. Jet Jaguar is the product of a child who drew the best thing at that year. Kind of want to see like a Godzilla minus two with Jet Jaguar. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Yeah. I would, I would, at this point. I feel like the only ones who would do that are the Americans, though, at this point. Fucking watching, um, the new Vanguard movie, which just like MCU shock, two Godzilla minus one, is, it almost broke my neck with the flip flash. Yeah, uh, but uh, the, the, the reason this movie works is that it, it it's very little of it's actually to do with Godzilla. A lot of this oh, no, movie... He's, he's in the movie for, like, ten minutes. Most of this movie is a, is a coming-of-age drama about a kamikaze pilot trying to raise a family, and then just literally out of nowhere, Godzilla shows up and fucks shit up. Like, he's almost treated like an eldritch force in this movie, just this awful thing that, that you hear whispers about, but no one believes is real until he shows up. It reminds me a lot of a Shin Godzilla, where Godzilla is this, this thing that just happens to exist, and no, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Even, even, like, spoilers for the end of this movie, they literally fucking blow it apart. And you've got the fucking mid-credit scene where it starts reforming itself. It's like, yeah, good luck trying to kill this guy. It's weird because Shin Godzilla is like a political satire. That whole movie was the response to yeah. Fukushima. Such a weird outlier in the Godzilla can because, again, it is a political satire. Most of that movie is a comedy. My favorite scene in that movie is someone's yelling, get more copy machines, we need to have a bigger meeting. It's just all this government <laughs> red tape to deal with the fact there's a monster wrecking shit in Tokyo. But this one's way more... Like a classic Godzilla film with the, you know, with the, the human drama, the melodrama, the, the spectacle. But the spectacle in this is less exciting and more frightening. When he destroys Tokyo for the first time in this movie, it is, it's scary. And people die. People fucking die in this movie. When he's just stepping on people and just, when you see his atomic breath for the first time, and it's just a fucking yes. nuke that goes off. Like something got fucking fallout. It's just this massive fucking nuke that like incinerates ten thousand people, and it's everything's so matter of fact as well. Like Godzilla will just like step on shit and fucking smash buildings without even thinking about it. He has like a force of nature. That's that's why I ultimately love about this movie. Godzilla was like happy just being left alone, but the fucking like wretched Americans had to blow up that nuke and piss him off. <laughs> That's partly why I think this movie works, is that it's set in 1946, right after the end of World War II. The country is at its absolute lowest point, and then this shit happens, and then 
But it's also, and it's, I think the thing, the reason this movie affected me so well, why I think it's so good, is that the human part of a Godzilla film is always, like, the weakest part. But, like, there is such a thing as too much. You have the Wingard film that has no yeah. plot at all, and it becomes almost numbing to watch, whereas this has that perfect balance of human drama and spectacle that's just very hard to get with the... Particularly, like, some Godzilla films are just... The quality just goes so back and forth, and this one is easily the best written of the bunch, the best acted. It's like, movies, we talk about the screenwriting in movies now is just so half-assed, whereas this actually takes the time to be like, look how much just a half-decent script and acting can take you. Like, can make an otherwise spectacle film feels so much more important than it otherwise would be like as soon as Shinzo Abe gets ass blasted by that fucking teenager like we started seeing movies about how like, the Japanese empire wasn't good actually fucking kamikaze pilots for these heroes to be venerated they were fucking like teenage boys that got tricked by this cult but we're gonna see more of that in Godzilla it's like one of the more interesting takes on it because um you have the main character try to be a kamikaze pilot but just couldn't bring himself to do it and then you have that fucking line halfway through what we did wasn't noble it wasn't heroic we were fucking guys who did what we were told and we suffered for it japan has always been seen as this culture of like tradition and at least things like that in this movie to completely completely disregard that is is a very interesting angle it's an angle that works it's just and I, I love the, particularly love the stuff with the family too. This weird family unity. Like, he finds this woman living in his fucking house and just, hey, you want to get married? Sure. <laughs> and they have a fucking kid and shit. And his fisherman buddies are also like part of this. It, it's just these small details that make this otherwise like straightforward movie just seem so much more interesting and important. Like, fucking love the, um, the way, like, I thought we were going fishing, and then they find out they're fucking disarming fucking <laughs> bombs and shit. Like, oh, fuck, we didn't get told we were doing this shit. And then and then Godzilla shows up randomly. 20,000 mines way through the Pacific, and that's what fucking causes Godzilla to reemerge. That, that's another thing I like about this, is um when you first see Godzilla, he's not that tall. No, he's, he's, like, tiny. big dinosaur size. But then, then the fucking mute goes off, and he just, like, becomes 50-foot, this 50-foot fucking killing machine. That's what's so interesting about Godzilla, the character. He's like a wacky dinosaur, but he also like has an agenda. You can like piss him off and stuff. For me, Godzilla, like again, the, the quality and these movies, literally we go from like the original, which is a dark, serious drama about disaster, to kid shit, to like making him an action movie hero in like the 90s. Like the Gareth Edwards film tries to make him a little more intimidating, and then that just gets abandoned for... Him be like him having like a lethal weapon buddy cop team up with fucking Kong. People forget the original Godzilla film is not a fun. No, it's, it's a hot, it's a harrowing film. It's a harrowing fucking movie, and this is probably this is just strikes that perfect balance of dark and serious, but also it doesn't forget to like be exciting and have spectacle. And it's so funny. Right before I saw this movie, I got the trailer for Godzilla, <laughs> yeah. and I was just like, like the Wingard film, like what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is just, it's this, like, bright, colourful, like, stories, secondary, you're, you're just watching an MCU movie at this point, fucking monsters punching each other, and minus one, Godzilla's there for ten minutes at most, but when he's there, he fucking, like... Oh, he's scary. He's, he's not, there, he's, yeah. And he's scary in this, and that's what, that's one of the things I think people forget, Godzilla's meant to be frightening, and, the, you know, and the director of this, 
Um, he's actually known for like war movies and he's an animator as well. We'd never think this dude could do this, but he does it and he does it fucking well because he does fucking war movies for God's sakes. I love that fucking scene where um the wacky scientist man is like laying out his uh, his very detailed plan to bring down Godzilla. <laughs> the most elaborate fucking bullshit, like the after that fucking breeze filled with like of like gas, gas that fucking sends him to the bottom of the ocean and then he'll rise up like the bullet which will fucking harden his skin and make him vulnerable when it's like, oh man. <laughs> and I love how everyone's just like, how do we kill it? Like not listening at all. Because <laughs> this is, this is a pretty fucking insane situation to be in. I, I do like that the film, I like the absurdity of a giant dinosaur destroying Japan. Like that's a very difficult situation. That's why Shin Godzilla is so funny. Because it's treated like a matter-of-fact government problem. The guy who directed it did Evangelion, and obviously... Oh, yeah. Literally, at one point, like, Hayao Miyazaki shows up in a cameo, and he's supposed to be the expert on Godzilla. It's like, what do you know about the dinosaur? I don't fucking know. <laughs> like, it's just... And it's fucking, like... It has one of my favorite shots of any movie, like... And that was never followed up on, if you've seen Shin Godzilla. When they freeze him, it's just, like, people morph together. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. That's the end of the movie. The scene where he's, like, fucking wiggling through Tokyo. Like, the <laughs> eyes bulging. He looks like a fucking cartoon. I love it's, it. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it just, the, the government just looking at this, like, mm, this is, like, a rob him in yeah. the road. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's another um, line for these movies. The, the Japanese government and... um. Minus one are also like, yeah, that's that's your problem. When he reaches Tokyo, it'll be um, it'll be the main man go, yeah, that's <laughs> like these fucking farmers and peasants handle Godzilla. Yeah, this movie is very um, I wouldn't say it's fully anti-government, but it definitely doesn't have the most positive view of the Japanese, especially in a post-war Japan, the first yeah. time this country I... has ever surrendered. Yeah, again, if like Shinzo Abe didn't get his fucking back blown out for uh, for supporting the Moonies, we probably would not get this movie. God, I hope to, I want to see that movie get made at some point. Yeah, you see the gun he had and like the yeah, reason fucking, he did. Yeah, it. fucking potato launcher that kills this. I uh, thought it was a shotgun. Yeah. I was like, holy no, shit. No, no, it was. Yeah, because like there's very rigorous gun control there, so that's like disgruntled 16 year old made a fucking shotgun out of like. Like MacGyver shit, yeah. It's awesome. It's such an insane assassination. And the fact it was successful, it just makes it even more interesting. That need, that story has to be told. And he's definitely going to get the death sentence over there. <laughs> they'll, 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 they, they are one of the few countries that have the death sentence. That guy who burned down that anime studio is clearly mentally ill, and they're still going to hang him for that. Yeah. Guaranteed. They should have um an optional thing for like, it's a death by hanging, or you could pull like a Mishima. You could uh, go with the honourable way, quote-unquote. Fuck yeah. I'm assuming most people have seen it, because it, it has become... It's become a bit of a worldwide uh, success, and it's also, I think... What I think has been so important this year, a lot of my favourite films this year I saw were foreign films. And mm -hmm. I think it's down to the fact how bad Hollywood is now. This is the second year in a row my favourite film has been a movie that was not from America. Which is, I think, telling of how bad Hollywood is going right now. Hollywood seems to have like very specific problems that other countries don't really have in American movies. Except when it comes to France, like uh, the fucking Gerard Depardieu. Like whenever France gets into Hollywood, it's always down to like some pervert fucked up and, uh, well, and did something they shouldn't have, like fucking Gerard Depardieu. That or, that or you get Luc Besson, where he just makes like uh, yeah. action movies that go straight to video and shit. But um, mm. and, and real quick, the budget we talked about this earlier, fifteen million dollars. Yeah, fifteen million. 
This movie looks better than most shit I've seen this year, and it costs 50. This costs, Ant-Man's like $250 million. This costs 15. There's no fucking excuse at this point. I know we could talk about Japan has weird, like, labor laws. They don't pay people properly, but $15 million. There's no excuse yeah, that's, Hollywood. Yeah, that's fucking Trump change compared to the average fucking budget of, uh, even, like, low budget um, Hollywood movies now, that's, like... Like that's like 30 million or most like yeah 15 million is fucking chomp change yeah I think and it's, it, it's still like one of the fucking better looking movies i've seen this year. It's also, it's, it made money i would love to see like more international films break through because hollywood i feel like hollywood's gonna need them and theater chains will need them to keep alive because um i've talked about in this program like korea india like these countries that are like actually putting out real movies mainland china puts out better movies than hollywood does and they're not honestly <laughs> that much better but they're at least more visually interesting that's the takeaway this year is uh, hollywood's gonna need to get a shit together or shit's gonna get real yeah. bad in the future so to, uh, before we go out uh speaking of like weird uh, cinema experiences the uh, the closest weirdest i've had like you talked about fucking talk to me like the uh, the cinema full of zoomers when i watched uh Battle of Lake Changing, it was me, like one other Caucasian person, and like, an entire cinema full of like Chinese zoomers on their phone. It was, it's one of the most surreal fucking experiences I've, I've ever seen watching this fucking like mainland Chinese propaganda about how like, German Mao was fucking sending like millions of people to die in Korea and I'm surrounded by these fucking. Chinese teenagers fucking TikToking and shit. I live in a predominantly Chinese neighborhood. We get a lot of. Oh, yeah. I have that almost all the time. I went to go see Wandering Earth two in the theater, and I'm like the one white person there. <laughs> and it is like there are people bawling their eyes out. And I'm just sitting yeah. there like that looks cool. Liam's that one guy that knows how to speak um like perfect Mandarin off the uh, the Chinese takeaway menu. Yeah, was um yeah white boy yeah. Surprises Chinese uh, take away horse by speaking perfect Chinese. I think it's more impressive. They're like, why the fuck are you here? Why yeah, are you yeah. going to this three hour fucking sci fi movie? Like, yeah, because it's better than fucking like uh, whatever else is on. It's this or Ant Man 2, and I know exactly <laughs> where I'm fucking going. Fuck that. Andy Lau crying over his digital daughter is much more interesting to me than Paul Rudd doing bad yeah. CG spike and shit, so I'm good. Oh, boy. God damn yeah. it, but yeah, that was uh, 2023. Is there anything interesting that we look forward to? Aside from Doom 2, I think 2024 is going to be a complete uh, crash as well. Egor's uh, Nosferatu movie oh, is finally coming out. Fuck yeah. Um, Christmas, by the way. Awesome, <laughs> yeah. I love it. Like, there is some schlock I'm looking forward to. The Beekeeper, I keep getting that trailer. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it, I'll go see Jason Statham beat the shit out of people. <laughs> Yeah, it would be very funny if just, like, next year is the exact same as this year. Like, the only worthwhile stuff is the schlock. But, um, yeah. yeah. Join us next time for, uh, I don't know what exactly we'll do for uh, next, but we've got a lot of ideas coming out. Uh, we'll probably go back to Bond, I think. Cause, uh, yeah, we haven't um, we haven't done Bond for a while. I've got, um, like, a possible guest lined up. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, also, that'd be I've... Um, just got an Xbox. I stumped for a new Xbox over Christmas. So I will be uh, talking about Starfield with uh, a friend of mine at some point as a, a sequel to our Todd episode. So uh, yeah. stay tuned for that. Yep. Uh, join us next next time and hope uh, another year of uh, mayhem and madness on our end. So uh, let's have fun and stay excellent to each other. It must be wonderful to ring in the new year over and over and over. Please kill me. <laughs>